This is the Boundless Possible Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. G'day Pete, how are you going? I'm well, how are you? In the flesh? Yes, nice to be here. Is this our first podcast since you came Since back? I've been back, yeah. Well done, I've been well desperate to do one with you and you've been <laughs> fobbing me off. <laughs> well, that's because you've been hanging around cactus too much. <laughs> we did sneak a couple out, yes, but this is our first Boundless Possible one together this week. So. Right, and you've got all this new Fandangle equipment. I'm just wondering how it's going to all sound. I think it's going to sound brilliant, and based on what I can see so far in the levels, it'll be the best yet. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we our special guest today is Nathan Lee. Nathan, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. I'm very privileged to be here. There's a lot of very well-known people who have been on this podcast, so I feel very privileged. Right. So who do you know that's been on this podcast? Uh, I know Connie Jate was on here recently. That was the one I actually listened to before I came on this. Right. But there's a lot, I saw a lot of CEOs, of like master builders, a lot of big names here in Northern Territory. And it's uh, crazy that I'm on here. Right. Well, you shouldn't feel that. You shouldn't feel too humbled by it all. We, <laughs> we uh, now. I think it was my uh, my PA that that got in contact with you. How did that happen? Because I just asked her. I said, "What happened was we, we get these. Um, uh, what do you call these?" Emails from the government almost oh, every okay, day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a press release? Like a press release. And the government seems to be pumping it out at a rate of knots yeah. at the moment. <laughs> and uh, and it caught your uh, your um, story caught my eye. Okay, yeah. And so I said to my PA, Krishna, I said, can you get in contact with Nathan and see if he'll come on the podcast? So, um, so that's how that happened. So did she ring you, did she? Uh, she actually rung my dad yeah. right. and he forwarded me an email that she sent. So that's how it all happened. It all happened pretty quickly. It was a bit of out of the blue, to be honest. Right, right. Now, you're going to have to refresh my memory because I can't remember what, yeah. was in the po- what was in the press release. Yeah. So I recently attended the Youth Business Awards for the Northern Territory. Right. And I took out two, of, two out of the three categories there. So the government sent out a press release saying that I won like two categories which were the presenting a business model to potential investors and then also the innovative uh, business model award. So, yeah. Wow. Like, and what school do you go to? I go to Darwin High School in year 12. Okay. And so was this part of a subject at school? Yeah, business and enterprise. We had to create our own business plan. Right. And then as part of another competition, the Plan Your Own Enterprise competition, I had to pitch it. And luckily, um, one of the teachers videoed that and then I then submitted that into the... Youth Business Awards, so it was like killing a few birds with one stone. Oh, wow. So what was the business? Uh, it's called Northern Online Retail. Yep. And me and a few other friends, hi Sam, hi Marty, we um, <laughs> developed it during our break between year 11 and year 12. Yep. We spent, that's, that was our school holidays, pretty much every day we kept in contact and we were refining this idea. So basically, it all started when we were doing work experience in year 10. So I was doing work experience at the Department of Trade, Business and Innovation, and Sam was doing work experience at the Department of Treasury. So during our lunch breaks, we were walking through Smith Street Mall, and we saw how many empty stores, Mm. the lack of foot traffic, and just how practically dead it was. There was just nothing there. So we decided. So retail has moved past brick, brick and mortar stores now, and it's gone online. So what if we could put all these local retail stores together under one roof on one website where it could be an effective alternative for consumers to shop and an effective avenue for local retailers to get online? Because, you know, 
Getting a website, it's difficult, it's time consuming, and it's very expensive. So what if we could provide that service, enabling them to get online and showcasing the niche products that the NT has to offer? So am I correct in assuming you either produced or pitched to produce uh, like a directory site and all of those businesses come on board within the site or are they all getting individual e-commerce sites as well? Uh, so it's a multi-vendor marketplace. So then they will each get their own store on the website. Yeah. So cool. it's, it's essentially creating a virtual mall experience. So say Smith Street Mall, putting on a website, yeah. and that's what we're essentially creating. Okay, so did, did you create the site? Uh, no, we use a third-party host. Okay, yeah. but, but there is, it did get created in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, right. well... We did, a fr- we did a trial, we created it and everything, we created our own business plan, we created a pro- proposal, we sent it out to a number of businesses, and we actually got some interest back. But after that honeymoon period where we were so excited, mm. year 12 came along and we were like, it will be very difficult to run a business and do our year 12 studies at the same time. So unfortunately, we had to put a hold on it. But the theory still holds up, right? Yeah, the theory still holds up. Yeah, nice. Right. This is stuff we talk about all the time. Well, you it? should be excited about this, oh, mate. You're man, always I'm, talking about I'm this stuff. I'm sitting here just thinking, because uh, on another podcast uh, that I do, I talked about this a year or so ago when I got back from Singapore, and the Singaporean government had commissioned, as it turned out, it was an Australian company, to work out why people won't go to Orchard Road anymore. And it's the same problem yeah. wherever you go in the world. It's just that it seems that Smith Street Mall has been going downhill for such a long time yeah. and not that no one's worked out the answer but no one's proposed the answer and this is a brilliant example of how you know the brick and mortar business not necessarily seen it today but they need alternatives within their business you yeah. can't be a one-trick pony anymore yeah so besides the idea of of taking it online was there anything else that you were bringing to the table in terms of that particular idea? Um, well, we really wanted to connect with these stores, so we visited a number of them on, uh, like in person. We had a few meetings, and it is still important that they maintain their physical presence so then they obviously they can go online or they can come in store because it's important because... In Palmerston, that's the development of a, an alternative consumer hub. So therefore, it's important that we are able to bridge the gap between Darwin and Palmerston because there are stores in Palmerston that are quite unique and offer really great products that people in Darwin have no idea about like and what? vice versa. Like what? Uh, just like clothing stores, like, you know, how they have a lot of Aboriginal clothing. Imagine if we could get that online because I've seen many people in, say, Melbourne Cup, they were an Aboriginal-inspired dress. Imagine if we could get that um, online where they could be accessed by both international and domestic consumers. Right, right. And so when you, by referring to Palmerston, you're saying that your virtual mall included Palmerston stores as well as yes. Darwin stores? Yeah, so essentially, obviously, at the start, it's easy to focus on one region, say, the Darwin CBD, but our bigger goal was to get Palmerston, maybe Alice Springs... A lot of the, we were really wanted just unique products that you can't get anywhere else in Australia. So like Aboriginal clothing, Aboriginal artwork, mm. a lot of that stuff that's unique to the Northern Territory. Mm. Mm. Right. And so 
what was involved in winning the competition? Did you have to present this to someone? Uh, do... So when I presented it in the Plan Your Own Enterprise competition, mm. my teacher videoed it and I submitted that for the presenting, pitching a business model to potential investors. And then when they saw my business model, they also decided to give me the innovation award. Oh, great. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because of the nature of what you were pitching? Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. I don't, I think it's quite unique because many of the other stores, many of the other business models were like restaurants, cafes, just pretty standard ideas. Whereas I think m mine was a bit more out there, something mm. that I haven't really seen. And getting into the nitty gritty, what sort of a platform were you putting it all on? Were you using Shopify or were you using a WordPress platform? Uh, we were at the beginning, that was pretty, they're the pretty mainstream ones, but we dug a bit deeper and we found one that is actually located in Singapore, funnily enough. Brilliant. Yeah. So they have a office based in Sydney and we got in contact with them and they provided all the features that we wanted. The feature that most stores didn't have was split payments. So we work on a commission-based model. Mm -hmm. So having a platform that was able to split, say, 9% to us and then the other 91% to the actual vendor, not many platforms offer that. So Correct. it was quite hard to find that. Yeah. And, and when you approached, say, uh, a local store and, and they showed an interest in it, uh, what conversation was there around the types of products that you, you would sell. And when it comes to the payment, um, you know, were they saying to you, well, you can buy wholesale or we'll sell at full price and we'll give you a split of that? Or, or how did that work? Well, I think they were very interested in having an online store because some of them already ha had existing websites, but they were underperforming. Mm. So they were quite interested to know that how we were going to do it, whether they could customize it to what they would like and because we want to provide something where they could practically have their own website under one roof. So, yeah. Nice. Talking about underperforming websites, Pete, maybe it's time for an ad break. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're staying ad-free, I told you that. <laughs> uh, Peter's business is a search engine optimization, so... Uh, uh, yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised to... I'm constantly saying to Leon that... It staggers me that so many local businesses, and it's not just in Darwin, it's international, really. Um, and when you mention retail stores having websites, it's amazing how often they have a website, but it's not really an e-commerce site. So yeah. it's actually difficult for people to buy things. And if you look at the likes of, um, you know, a lot of the big clothing stores now, they, they've taken all the barriers away where if you used to, say, buy a pair of shoes online, well, unless you knew the exact make, the model, and the size, it was a bit of a risk. But now they're all happy to take them back. They'll give you a return bag. There's no extra expense. And I'd much rather get two pairs of shoes, turn up to home, try them on. Yep, they fit great. Or no, they don't send them back and get two more pairs. Yeah. So it's, it, it, the concept that you're proposing is brilliant. And clearly with all the empty stores out there, they need some innovation. Yeah, I think... Once we identified the problem, we did a bit more research and the problem was actually a lot bigger than I first thought. So um, the Australian retail market last year, it grew by 12.93%, but the NT's retail market only grew by approximately 1.54%. So mm -hmm. there's a big difference between the NT and what the rest of Australia is doing. Mm. So 
when I first saw it, I was like, surely NT has to be around the Australian figure, or maybe slightly less, but 11% is a very large difference. Would we say that's market conditions? Oh, you'd think so. It would have I mean, to be, wouldn't it? The Northern Territory economy is has is, is not been going yeah. well for the last probably four to five years. Yeah. And that seems to be translating into what people are willing to spend around town, I, I suspect. Well, retail's the first to go, isn't it? Mm. You know, you can, you can wear that pair of shoes for an extra six months or, you know, not get a new shirt or whatever. But having said that, I was at Gateway over the weekend and, you know, it was uh, as busy as Casuarina was. Man, I drove past Gateway at 11.30 on Saturday night and I was like, surely the pub's not that busy. There was cars all the way from underneath to the lights. Right. And I'm thinking, what are these people doing at 11.30 on a Saturday night? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Maybe with movies? Well, mo- movies would be part of it, and the pub would be part of it, but there seem to be a hell of a lot more cars than that. Right. Is, is the supermarket open till midnight or something? No, I think it closes at 10. Yeah, that's what yeah. I would have thought. So, yeah. I don't know. But retail definitely is the first one to cop it. And, and probably to exacerbate that... Yeah is somewhere like Gateway. You know, nothing against them, but I know people who lived in Palmerston when Gateway first opened were like, you beauty, now we don't have to go to Casuarina anymore. And therefore, you know, you could naturally assume that the city's going to be in that conversation as well. Yeah. What's your view on that, Nathan? Well, I think people expected Gateway to be like Casuarina, but the number of stores it has is significantly less than Casuarina. They do not offer as much as much variety as Casuarina does, in my opinion. Mm. Right, right. Mm. Well, congratulations on that. But um, uh, seeing as you are here, normally what we do on these podcasts is actually get your territory story first. Okay. It looks like we've done this back yeah. to front. Yeah. That's okay. It's the um, end of the year. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, were you born here? Uh, yeah, I was born here, right. and I've lived here ever since. Right, and uh, and your parents, were, were they born here as well? Uh, no, my dad was born in East Timor, and my mum was born in Malaysia. Okay, and uh, have you got any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have one younger brother and two younger sisters. Right, so for a family of four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And you've just finished year 12. Yeah, ATAR results actually come out tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow morning. okay. Yeah, so it's quite nerve-wracking right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doubly nervous. Yeah, yeah doubly nervous, yeah. <laughs> and, and what are you hoping to do? Um, I'm going to hopefully get into commerce at Melbourne Uni. Okay, that sounds pretty prestigious. Yeah. So you were born in Darwin. Yeah, And you lived your whole life in Darwin. Yep. Have you been to Melbourne before? Yeah, I have. My mum's parents actually live there. Okay, so you do own a jumper? Yeah, I do. <laughs> a jacket? Oh, I'm not looking forward to the winters. <laughs> well, I can tell you, having just been through one, it is rubbish. <laughs> it is not fun. But, yeah, they say you get over it. But we'll Melbourne Uni is a good place to study, so... Yeah. Is that a three-year course? Uh, yeah, it's three years. And is it a Bachelor of Commerce? Yep. And do you sort of specialise in anything? Uh, yeah, I think I'll double major, double major in economics and finance probably. Right. And what made you choose Melbourne over any other place? Um, well, I did some research and Melbourne is the number one ranked in Australia for commerce degrees. So naturally, I would want to go to the best university okay. that offers the degree I've ever won. And, and once you finish, what do you hope to do? Um... Well, hopefully I'll either get a job or I'll, I am looking at maybe post-grad law. Mm. Yeah. So, but I'm not sure yet. We'll see. Right. Right. And the article clerk position. Oh, we always do. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So, and so, um, 
would you plan to come back to Darwin or do you think you want to see the world first? It all depends what opportunities I get in Melbourne. If I get a good opportunity there, I'll stay. But if I have an opportunity to come back here to be with my family, then that's another option. Right. Mm. Right, and given that you're sort of from a big family with the three other siblings, you're not going to miss them while you're in Melbourne? Oh, I'm definitely going to miss them. <laughs> <laughs> Are they close in age to you? Um, we're actually all like approximately two years apart. Okay. So two, 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 two. Yeah, yeah. right. And look, I've got a question. Um, look, this year we've been talking a lot to um, politicians, um, people in business. Uh, we had the uh, Mayor of Palmerston, I suppose she's a politician of sorts. Yes. And, you know, we see a lot of negativity in the press and we see a lot of negativity on social media. You, you seem like a fine, upstanding young fella Thank who's you. got goals and has already achieved much. What sort of things have you done growing up here? And, you know, I'm seeing too much about youth crime and not enough about the good stories, so you're obviously a good story. Well, what do you do outside of school for entertainment and fun? And, you know, what does Darwin deliver to you that these other kids should be looking at? Well... Darwin has many opportunities that you would not get down south because our population is not so saturated. So therefore, there's fewer people and therefore we can achieve more here. So um, I play soccer for Mindel Aces and I've been able to play in the men's division, which I wouldn't be able to do down south, for yeah. example. Um, I also used to do line dancing at the Chunghua Society. Cool. And I think having a Chinese society here is amazing because what they do for the Chinese community is really good. Actually, Chinese New Year is coming up in a few months, so that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not just the Chinese community, because, um, you know, in, in a sort of a side life that I have, um, I'm involved in, in entertainment. And, you know, the amount of times we've had the uh, Chinese dragons come to weddings yeah. and events. And, you know, even last year, um, my kids at Stuart Park Primary... Yeah, they were fascinated because the, the Chunghua Society came and they did, uh, pardon my ignorance, but, you know, their dancing and yeah. their clanging of the bells and yeah, the cymbals and everything. I actually, I actually everything. performed at Stuart Park Primary. Oh, there you yeah. go. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, because so, I, went there, I went there. That was my primary school. And they were, oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, right. They, they were just fascinated by it. And yeah. I think that, you know, my kids have got to learn a lot about other cultures. For, for that reason, Darwin is small and it is inclusive. Um, yeah. You've got... You know, in any classroom, you could have nationalities from all over the world. Yeah, Darwin is quite multiculturally diverse. Mm. So when did commerce come on the radar for you? Um, so when I was choosing my subjects for year 10, obviously my parents helped out. And as um, um, we, I've always grown up with business in my house, so obviously, naturally, they told me to take commerce, which is one of the classes. And in commerce, uh, we did our first assignment was a buying a second-hand car, that was not very exciting. Um, but the most exciting assignment was when we got to play the ASX share market game. Wow. Yeah, so that's when me and my friend, Sammy Rissos, and we really got into it. We, we spent our days, we did fundamental analysis, we did trend analysis, yeah. we looked at the share market, and we really wanted to get to be the best in the school. We used to call after school, and we would look forward to public holidays because then we could spend the whole day trading shares. Wow. So, yeah. so there's a school version of that, isn't there? So it's not yeah, real money. Version. No, it's not real money. We yeah. got $50,000 in-game, yeah. and we just got to trade with it. It was really fun. So what did you did you make a profit? Uh, yeah, about $4,000 in the end. <laughs> with high risk comes high rewards, but yeah, it took a few 
large losses. You took some as well. big hits, yeah. but you had some big wins along <laughs> yeah, the way. Because yeah. Yeah. we um we interviewed Phil Rubin a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, did you listen to that podcast? Oh, unfortunately, I oh you should have a listen. Yeah, to that I one. haven't listened to it. So he's amazing. Listen. Yeah, because mm. I mean, he's built an awesome company, but his company's worth five hundred million dollars. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, that's an insane. Amount. And the key takeaway for us was that, well, for me, because I, I, I don't dabble, but I've got bits and pieces. And if you've got superannuation, we've all got shares. And he said that um, he commissioned one of his staff to have a look at the, the ASX 200 for the last 10 years. I think since the GFC it was. And um, he said, look at the, the top 200 companies and, you know, see if, if you'd kept your money in what sort of what sort of money you'd have now as opposed to then. And he said, if you put a million dollars in just after the GFC and, and you had a spread of the top 200 shares, you'd have about 1.15 million now. So you would have made about 150,000. Yep. And then he said, no, that's, that's not good enough. Go and do the top 50. And when they did the top 50, they worked out you would have had 1.75 million. Yeah. So he said that, you know, regardless of we hear about you've got to be in the top 200 you've got to do this you've got to do that he said you've got to get the top 50 performers and they are far and away better than the other you know competitors within that same rank have you uh, have you ever worked in your dad's business uh yeah i have <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did you do oh <laughs> uh, well i worked at um happy gardens gateway that was my first job right. and i just surfed food there i guess okay yeah. any of the other places um i did my training at Casarina at the Casarina store, but I predominantly work at the Gateway. I'm actually working tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a concession of defeat. I'm actually working tomorrow. Especially if I get a bad eight, I will not be happy to work. (laughs) Well, Happy Garden is one of the institutions in the Northern Territory in Darwin. Sure uh, is. And I have to say, the lemon chicken is really good. (laughs) (laughs) Having grown up with it, you get a bit sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it's very nice to have you on the podcast, Nathan. Thank you. It's All the best for your ATAR tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll yeah. do very well. And, uh, and all the best with what you're planning to do in the future. We hope you decide to come back to the NT at some yeah, point Yeah, I would time. love to give back to the NT. It's been my home and, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Well, if the weather's anything to go by, you'll come straight back after <laughs> three years. <laughs> hey, I'll, be, I'll be frozen by the time I come back. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just another planet, but I'll, I'll let you experience that firsthand. You'll yeah. enjoy it. Thank you for joining us, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Nathan Lee from Darwin High School, formerly, soon to be um, a commerce student at Melbourne Uni, he Hopefully, hopes. And, yeah. and we'll keep our fingers crossed for him. And we'll catch you again next time on the Boundless Possible podcast. You've been listening to the Boundless Possible podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. To listen to more episodes, search Boundless Possible podcast on all leading podcasting platforms.